You have to learn your partner's spending triggers and their saving habits because that's the best way to know like what those boundaries are going to be in your relationship when you're talking about money. Hi guys, we're your hosts Jillian and Kaylin and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends! Today is a big topic and something that a lot of people feel pretty uncomfortable talking about. We're talking about how to manage money in your relationships with personal finance expert and author Alyssa Davies. Honestly, from discussing salaries and the cost of someone's home to just splitting the bill and figuring out how much you can each shell out for your next vacation, it is never easy to talk about money. Like it literally makes me sweat. I'm sweating right now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an awkward conversation. But statistics show it is super important to get comfortable doing it. So a study by Kansas State University found that arguing about money is by far the top predictor of whether a couple will stay together or not. So mm-hmm. those arguments tend to take longer to recover from and they're more intense, which is what researchers found, which makes sense. Yeah, those are those are high stakes conversations. And in a 2018 Fidelity Couples and Money survey, 46% of couples admitted that money was the biggest challenge in their relationship. And then another 2019 academic journal found the number one financial deal breaker for couples was keeping money related secrets. Mm. Another 2016 study found that 73% of partners budgeting styles were actually not a match. But that's that doesn't mean it can't work out. It just means there's work to be done. Totally. And that's why it's so important to talk about how you want to structure your finances with your partner so that you both can contribute and save towards those important goals and just find ways to have also your own financial independence too, which we strongly recommend and strongly believe in. Yeah. And we will dive into all of Alyssa's advice in this episode, but there are a few different ways that you can structure your finances, at least if you're moving in together. And we wanted to touch on those before we dive into the interview. So three of the most basic ways to set your money up are fully combining your finances. So everyone's finances are pooled into one account together. Keeping your money completely separate in individual accounts. You each pay your own bills from your separate accounts and nothing is combined. Or doing a combo of like partially combining funds in an account for joint expenses and then keeping some personal money separate for yourself. And there's really pros and cons to each of these. You kind of, this is why it's so important to chat with your partner and figure out what makes the most sense for the both of you. There's no right or wrong. But Mm -hmm. being actively involved in those decisions of where the money is going is what's so important here. Because when we're not great at something or we, we don't care about our finances as much as our partner does, it's so easy to just let someone who's passionate about that stuff just take the reins and you just stay, yeah. you know, willfully blind. But yeah. having your own voice on where your finances are going as a team is really, really important, especially in 2021. A hundred percent. We see this so much like universally in divorced couples where one partner really knew nothing about their finances and the other Mm -hmm. one did and in fact surveys show that 98 percent of widows and divorcees would tell other women to definitely take a more active role with their money wow and you need to understand how budgeting and credit and investing works so that if your relationship ends or if circumstances change you will still have financial stability on your own 
And you never, ever want money to be the reason that you are staying in a relationship. So beyond the exciting future planning talks that you might be having around money or starting a life together, it's also super important to protect your money if you're moving in together or if you're getting married. And obviously that's not a very sexy conversation, but you got to protect yourself because depending on where you live, you could actually be considered common law just after one to three years of living together, which means your which partner. Is wild. It's It's insane. I didn't know. I think Ontario, it's one year. Alberta is definitely one year. Ontario might be two or three. <laughs> like, is but, it? Yeah. I don't even know. Either way, that basically means that your partner may have claim to some of your money and your assets if you were to break up or separate. So yikes. <laughs> yeah, you got to you got to kind of like take that shit seriously as soon as you move in. And obviously none of us want to feel cynical. We yeah. don't want to plan the worst, but guys, like shit does happen. So the smartest thing you can do is to just financially protect yourself so you don't have to worry and you can start by considering if and how you'll be combining your funds because that's when things can potentially get messy. So if you're investing a chunk of money or you end up receiving an inheritance, think about protecting that sum of money in your own account where you don't commingle money with your partner and then draft up an agreement to protect that money if you're bringing a lot into the relationship when you first move in because when you start to commingle all of those funds that's where things can get complicated so you might want to just consider only commingling the money that you want to split for mutual expenses mm -hmm. yeah and even though moving in with someone can feel like really exciting and casual the way you handle your money once you're sharing those expenses and you're in you know, you're splitting rent, you're sharing the whole living space. You really don't want to lose your hard and earned money or investments if you do break up. So don't be afraid to have those discussions and set clear boundaries and just protect yourself. Yeah. And get things in writing if you need to. Like yes. if you're thinking, well, shit, I'm already married and I regret not getting a prenup or not writing things down. Know that you can look into a post-nup and there are still things that you can do now to protect things going forward. And a post-nup is basically the same thing as a prenup, but for during a marriage rather than before so no matter what circumstance you're in right now it's it's never too late to rethink how you guys are handling your money but we wanted to hear from you and how you all deal with your finances and your relationships so we pulled you guys on instagram and here is what you had to say so 46 percent of you have hidden a purchase from your partner which i actually thought would be higher so i'm impressed that it's less than half i was thinking of canlan when we did that <laughs> I know it's bad. I always, I usually end up confessing, but like, yeah, I just, usually it's my own guilt. I feel guilty for spending money and like Gabe's like, I don't really give a shit what you do, but it's true. I'm like, I'm like, Jill, I just bought these really expensive maternity pants. Don't tell Gabe. I'm like, girl, get two. <laughs> Buy two. And when it comes to structuring your finances, the majority, so 52% of you said you have a combo of a joint and separate bank accounts, while 35% of you have totally separate accounts and just 13% have fully joint accounts. So interesting. Interesting. And in terms of how you split the bills, we're almost right down the middle on this. So 51% split their communal expenses exactly in half. And then 49% of you split everything proportionately to each of your income. And then when it comes to how often you're talking about money in your relationships, the good news is you guys are talking. So 50% of you said that you and your partner talk about money every week, 45% talk about money every month, and then the remaining 5% was a mix of either once a year or never. And I think never was like 2%. So 50% is pretty good. Yeah. Weekly is really solid. Yeah. And I mean, I've never lived with a partner. So a lot of this is really new territory for me. And I haven't had to dive into this before. But Kaylin, I know that you've had like a pretty significant money journey throughout your relationship. So I would love to hear 
the ups and downs and where you guys landed with things. I will give you the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> the scoop. <laughs> the scoop. Started off, okay, so Gabe and I have always talked about money since day one. Like, he's a big finance guy, so he kind of led that. But we both had very different relationships with money growing up, which we learned about in this episode. Talking about that and your upbringing with money really helps understand the psychology behind why your partner acts a certain way or why they're a more aggressive saver or if they have like a scarcity mindset versus abundance so once you understand that a lot of the arguments yeah. will go away i did not yeah. in the beginning hence a lot of arguments but that's okay <laughs> so gabe was always a way better saver than i was and a big part of that was because i didn't have a goal so right. once we had like a team goal for us i got way better at doing that Get that financial goal figured out with your partner because whether it's putting away money to go on a big trip together or putting away money to get a down payment, it just really helps you guys get clear when you come and sit down at the end of the day, figure out what your expenses are, what you have left and what you got to put towards that goal makes your lives so much easier. And then you see that you both have like a a stake in it. Like I feel like if someone was just kind of encouraging me to save more aggressively and to cut down on things I was spending on, I would be annoyed if I didn't have skin in the game I would just be like let me do what I want with my hard-earned money but if it was like remember we're saving for a down payment or remember we want to get married in x amount of years and we need to pay for that so then I would feel more willing to contribute equally or on you know an appropriate level towards that goal because it's going to benefit both of us exactly and that's exactly how I felt I was just like why are you micromanaging my money like you have no say in it we're not saving for anything so like back off a little bit but then once we had that goal it got a lot clearer and I mean saving was we we did some silly things like we used to do a cash system where we'd have envelopes for different categories like entertainment eating out groceries and we'd literally put cash in there this is when we had no money like I wouldn't recommend this now but like if you're starting out and you're fresh and you got a entry-level job cash is good because you can physically see it and there's studies that show that when you use cash it it actually like hurts you more like you feel the pain of giving away money versus just tapping a card um so, so yeah we'd put like let's say it's like $200 $200 for the month for groceries and that was your budget and if that envelope was empty like you're eating craft dinner like that's I would that's- <laughs> starve to death I would not be here right now that was tough we used to price match at Walmart so that was one way that we did it and then we eventually graduated to like excel spreadsheets and using Quicken and I think the biggest thing we had to learn was at the beginning we were kind of involved in each other's finances like way too much where we would like micromanage yeah. each other's purchases and then we had to take a step back because we were getting in stupid arguments about stupid things that were totally irrelevant and again once we had that common goal it was like okay i don't care what you're spending your money on as long as we're hitting that savings goal at the end of the year or the end of the month and that That's changed legit. the finances in our relationship you remember the days when we wanted to go for lunch at work and I'd be like, I can't. I have like $4 left in my entertainment fund. (laughs) Oh God. So now we don't nickel and dime each other. We track everything through Quicken. We do it separately. We're going to do it joint because we're having a baby and we're going to try to figure out how to do things joint. One thing I do want to say, which I, I love and I know Alyssa does this too. We budget every, usually every fall for the whole year. So we set mm. out like our annual plan for what we want to do. Usually it's after Halloween because we like to go to Bulk Barn and get discount candy. And each candy like represents like $100. Each Skittle is $50 and we'll put different Skittles and 
food into different categories and it's also fun and then we just eat a bunch of candy and feel like shit after but it's great so, so budget cute. with candy it makes it fun right <laughs> that's really fun it's one of our, our favorite activities so the key is just to figure out what works for you and it's going to take a long time like we've been together almost 11 years now and we just got into a good groove maybe like two years ago yeah and Alyssa does talk about how it is a fluid thing and it will change often and it, it shouldn't be the same every year and like it shouldn't be the same for a decade yeah. because your situation is going to evolve and change so yeah allow yourself to be flexible but just try to test things and see what works for you and try to make it fun with the Halloween candy and the you know get the, the candy the goal setting it can be an enjoyable experience if you just get ahead of it and don't wait till shit hits the fan yeah I'll let y'all know how uh, combined finances works out for us it might be the worst thing we've ever done we'll find out stay tuned <laughs> We'll revisit this in a year. <laughs> yes. But we are not the experts. So we called in Alyssa Davies, the mastermind behind the award-winning Canadian personal finance website, Mixed Up Money, where she dishes out judgment-free financial content for women who really care about money. Alyssa has grown Mixed Up Money into a huge Instagram following, a YouTube channel, a TikTok account, and she published her first book, The 100-Day Financial Goal Journal, in 2020. She has a personal finance podcast with her husband, Nicholas, called Learn From Us, where they help make money feel less awkward and more relatable by sharing the hard lessons that they've learned along the way. Teach us how to manage money in relationships, Alyssa. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us we love what you do mixed up money is awesome we love the content you're sharing especially on instagram and the podcast you have with your husband it's the best it's so cute totally okay if he makes a cameo in here <laughs> he won't be i i locked him out of the room <laughs> let's start with the very beginning because finances can of course feel pretty awkward and uncomfortable to a lot of couples so how would you recommend people start talking to their partner about money or finances for the first time? And like, is there an appropriate time when you should start discussing, you know, your net worth with someone? Right. So obviously when it comes to money, everyone's super different and everyone's values are different and how we view money is different. So that's why it's so important to talk about it, especially with your significant other. So the right off the bat, I would say early, as early as possible, as early as you're comfortable doing it, and often, so early and often, that would be my number one recommendation um, because most major relationship milestones require talking about money. Like everything we do with our partner revolves mm -hmm. around money, even if we think it doesn't. Like even a vacation, there's going to be so many yeah. times when, it, when money comes up, right? So the earlier you discuss these things, like how to split the bill or your career goals, like those are two really different things, but the more you talk about it, the easier it'll be to have the bigger conversations when they actually do arrive. So the first thing to say too, is that obviously the first conversation is never going to be easy. Uh, it's not easy for anyone, even me who loves talking about money. It was super <laughs> awkward and uncomfortable the first conversation we had, and it wasn't a happy one. It was an argument because we hadn't talked about it enough. And that's typically what happens. Um, and then you don't want to have the conversation anymore. So it's right. better to have these talks over less important topics, like picking up the tab versus how to split the rent or how to pay for your wedding. Like that's a little bit too late into the relationship to start, right? Yeah. 
that makes sense. And then that it, it's kind of like a muscle. Like you get used to asking those questions, see how they feel about it over the small things. And then when the big ones come, it's hopefully a little bit easier to ask. Yeah, that's one of my favorite analogies. Like anything you talk about, the more you educate yourself, the more you talk about it. If you're working that muscle, you're using it and it's getting stronger, right? Totally. One thing I like to suggest is that if you're having the conversation for the first time, it doesn't have to be super serious and it doesn't have to be specifically about money. You can talk about anything that is kind of in relation to money and it'll just come about in a roundabout way. Like when you're talking about where should we go on our next vacation, when you start to plan it and it's exciting and it's fun because you both want to do it and you both are excited about it, then you can kind of bring up, oh, okay, like, well, should we save for it now? Or mm. what do you think? Like, what, where do you want to stay? Like, what's your budget? Something like that is an easier conversation to have upfront with a partner than just going in and being like, hey, what do you make? Because I really need to know that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's a good point. And what financial advice do you have for couples who are about to or just recently moved in together? Because that's then a whole other ballgame of, of conversations and navigating money. And that's a tough one, too, because when you move to, in together, that's when a ton of different expenses actually start to pop up. It's not like you're splitting groceries every once in a while because you stay at, your, at each other's houses often. So the first thing you should do before you move in with someone is make a budget together as a team. And a great place to start is by getting to know how much money you both have coming in and how much money you spend every single month. So two easy things to kind of tackle together. And then from there, you can determine if you're financially on the same page and what each other's values are as well. Like, what do you like spending money on? What's important to you when it comes to your spending habits? And this also helps you kind of understand like whether you have a solid understanding of where your money actually goes, because some people don't know that. And you want to know if your partner is kind of capable of making those financial decisions, right? So are you overspending? Are you living within your means? Those are all things that you should be talking about before you move in together. And then once you know that, you can make a list of your expenses and then start to do the more difficult part, which is actually deciding how you split each of those expenses. Right. And if couples have different spending or saving behaviors or even money values, like this is something my husband and I struggled with because he's very much a saver. I am I am now, but I was definitely a little bit more frivolous with my money before when we first moved in together. So that was really hard because we just weren't aligned at the beginning. And a big part of it for me was I didn't have a, a goal that I was saving for. So for I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm saving at the end of the day, but I didn't have that big goal and it wasn't like a team goal between my husband and I. So are there like big financial mistakes that you see couples making if they aren't aligned? Like how can you sort of find that connection together? Yeah, I think like the most common mistake in any relationship when it comes to money is just assuming that someone views money the exact same way as you do, because that's rarely going to happen. Like we were all raised differently and we all value money differently and spend money differently. So that is a good place to start is actually talking about your upbringing and the emotional side of money which people don't really realize is so, so important when it comes to spending because it helps you understand your current financial behaviors, like how you spend and why you're frivolous and why your partner is a saver. You'd probably be surprised to realize that like the way your parents or your family members manage their money when you were growing up has dramatically impacted how you manage your own financial life. So 
I like to talk about like your family money story with your partner. Like maybe one of you had an abundance of money growing up and you never worried about it because your parents never made it seem like it was a big deal, but your partner was really not doing well. And their parents always talked about how worried they were or how stressed they were, because that is going to leak into their life as an adult. And then mm-hmm. suddenly you're dating someone who has like a scarcity mindset and they don't want to spend money because they're worried they're never going to have it again. So you right. have to learn your partner's spending triggers and their saving habits because that's the best way to know like what those boundaries are going to be in your relationship when you're talking about money. You basically just described our situation because <laughs> you're, you're right. And it, once you understand the psychology behind it and why your, your partner or the other person is feeling that way, it just makes it... I don't know, more approachable to talk about it because otherwise you're just sitting there like, oh, they're frugal. But like, no, let's break that down. There's probably a lot more to them than that. So great point on on the family dynamics. That's really key. Yeah. And I think there's like three questions you can ask each other too that make it easier. It's like, how do you view money? Is it good, bad, neutral? Like you have no feelings about it Um, because some people like hate money and it stresses them out. And even thinking about it is just too much. Another question is like, how would you describe your relationship with money? Like, what does it make you feel like? Is it, does it come naturally to you? And then the last thing is, yeah. Like what is one thing that your parents taught you about money? That's really stuck. Hmm. I love those. Those are great questions. And I also feel like it's never too late to find out more about your family's money story too because at the age of 30 I just in the past year have understood and kind of uncovered more context behind my family's like financial backgrounds when they were growing up and I didn't even know some of those aspects and now it's helping me understand how their relationship with money was formed and thus how mine was formed because otherwise you're just like I don't know why so-and-so is like this but Mm -hmm. now I understand and now I can communicate that to my partner as well so if you have access to your family to like talk about that and they're comfortable that could also be a good place to start well yeah and that's another money relationship that you should be talking about money with is your parents and your extended family that you might be financially responsible for one day so you need to have those conversations for sure Is that something that you think is important to speak with your partner about too? Like if you know down the line you might have dependents, like if you have a sick parent or it's just sort of the expectation that your parents are going to have to move in with you, like do you think that, I I feel like that's a really important conversation to have. Do you, how would you broach that with a a partner you think? (laughs) Yeah, I think like we've actually recently started doing that a lot. We actually have had conversations with both sets of our parents together. The the four of us sat down and talked about like, how are you guys doing? Like, what's your retirement plan? Not like coming in Mm -hmm. and being like, we have advice for you, but, but more so (laughs) saying like, oh, like we've been planning our retirement. So like, what does your retirement look like? We're just looking for some advice. Um, Parents love to give advice. And then it's just an easy lead into that conversation so that you know what to expect. Because a lot of us just assume um, either our parents are good or they're not good. Um, but yeah, you need to have those conversations with your partner. Absolutely. Especially if you're already like in a long-term committed relationship or you're married, uh, those are really big expenses that could come up down the line. So yeah, definitely. Like again, again, the answer is always early and often. So (laughs) yeah. Date number one. How do you feel about my mom living with us? (laughs) No, just kidding. Exactly. (laughs) She's great. (laughs) You're going to love her. (laughs) Let's call her in now. 
So we saw on your Instagram and your blog that you partially combined your money with your husband and then you keep some of it separately. So could you tell us more about how you navigated that decision and how you guys have structured that for yourselves? Yeah, for sure. So first of all, we make all of our money decisions together. We have monthly money dates. So fun. We're we're the best couple to hang out with. (laughs) (laughs) Cute. And then we do annual goal setting every New Year's. That's our our tradition. So we talk a lot about money over the next year and then the next like five to 10 years to make sure we're on track with what we're doing. So all of those kind of things really, really help because it makes it a little bit more casual when you can actually do it for fun instead of having to do it because you're forced to do it. So that's one thing that we love doing. But for both of our sanity, (laughs) we decided to keep our separate accounts once we actually got married. A lot of people still traditionally their mindset they cannot believe that that's possibility to be married and still have separate accounts and I find it so funny that people think that's the only option there are so many ways you can manage money with your partner you don't have to do it the same way as everyone else so if you're kind of trying to figure that out right now don't put too much pressure on yourself like there's a million options I'm so strict with money one of the first conversations we had when we moved in together was how frustrated I was with like little expenses that he was spending. And it was like just a nagging thing that I was dealing with. It had nothing to do with him and it had nothing to do with our finances because we were doing all the things we were supposed to be doing. We were paying our bills. We were saving for our goals. So I was like, you know what? I think it's better if we just don't know what our daily spending habits are, if we're comfortable for having these conversations often and if we're both okay to just let go. And that helped us both kind of feel a little bit better. And also it just gave us the options to like save for things that just we want, because you are still your own person, even if you're in a committed relationship. So I feel like it gave us a lot of freedom and it's kind of helped us just decide what we want personally as well. I love that. That That's exactly what, that. what happened to us too. We were sort of nickel not nickel and diming but like tracking everybody's pennies like literally down to the penny and it was not healthy for either of us and it is good to your point to have that a little bit of independence with your finances and just make sure you know as long as your goals are still aligned and you're still connecting and communicating on you know your monthly habits and everything's getting paid I think the day-to-day nitty-gritty five dollar coffee you don't need to stress about it (laughs) not worth the fight not at all (laughs) If you don't mind, could you dive into a bit of like the granular nature of like, do you have a joint account for household items and for your kids? Do you have joint credit cards or is like everything separate and you just split the bills from your separate accounts? How does that work? So we are what I would say is partially combined. So some of our accounts are combined just to make life easier and paying bills easier. So for instance, we have a household account. Uh, It's a shared just high interest savings account. And we both put contribute money to that every single month. Like it's just an automated payment that goes to that account. And then I disperse the funds to the bills that come through on my cards and he disperses any bills that come through on his cards. And then I also distribute to whatever savings accounts that month. So those are all held in my banking. But again, we check in every single month. So he knows how much is in those accounts. And then we have a joint credit card, which is my favorite part of our finances because 
we like to split a lot of our purchases and this way it's just like, it's easy. We're, we're out. We don't have to talk about it. It's just put it on our joint credit card. Really a great place to start too. I feel like if you are in a relationship, but you're not ready to fully combine everything and you want to see if it'll work, I feel like a joint credit card is kind of like a easier way to dip your toes in, I guess. And then we divide up our pay to be equal. So it's equal based on what we earn. So because I earn a little bit more than my husband does, I contribute a little bit more financially. And that way, everything's still equal. um, And we're both allowed to still save for the things we need to save for fairly because he still needs to save for retirement. And so do I. um, And he needs to put a little bit more of his money towards retirement because he earns a little bit less, right? And then as far as investments go, we both contribute to our own retirement accounts. And then we contribute to one RESP for our kids. So yeah, again, it's like, it's so different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, like since we've started dating, cause it's been 10, we've been married for five years already and dating for almost 11, things have changed a lot every single year, every couple of years. So we change how we manage our money a lot. Like in 2017, he was the higher income earner. So we, it was kind of like we flopped and we flip flop a lot. So it's perfectly okay to adjust how you manage your money as a team. On that, because you said like both your incomes have have changed and at one point he was making more and you were making more. How did you decide to do it where it's, I guess it sounds like it's like a percentage based on how much you're bringing into the family and how much he's bringing into the family? Was that like an easy conversation for you guys to have? Or do you find that that's been working for you well? Yeah, like it was at first um, me noticing like, oh, we're contributing equally, but I'm making way less. Like I could be doing more. I could be saving more money, which is going to benefit both of us down the line. So I put together kind of a little budget and I just showed him that budget. And I was like, what do you think? Like, do you think this works? Do you think this is fair? And he loved it. So it just kind of has stuck. And then obviously we know when one another switches jobs or gets a raise or whatever. So we just adjust as we need to. But yeah, so it's like if one of you is making 60,000 and the other was making 40,000, it's it's 60-40, but it's still an even split, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, no, that's a great way to right. do it. And yeah. we made yeah, a decision yeah. based on like, looking at what our three top categories are in our budget too, like, which is our housing, our savings and our groceries. And it's like, does it make sense to split them this way? Uh, And that, that helped a lot as well. Yeah. That takes out a lot of the guesswork and probably cuts out a lot of, I don't know, I haven't experienced this personally, but I'm, I'm sure for some people it could cause just a bit of discomfort or resentment to be making half of what your partner's making, but like putting in the exact same and then coming out feeling like you just don't have much left. So the the ratio is really smart. I've had readers come forward and say exactly that word resentment, which is, n- is something you never, ever want, yeah. especially when it comes with to money or your career, like any of those yeah, things yeah. that you feel like your partner's kind of holding you back. You don't want mm-hmm. that feeling, right? So yeah, I also always say like, it's good to give things a trial run. You don't have to implement things permanently. Like just give yourselves at least three to six months when it comes to like a budget and see if it's working. And check in every month and be like, what do we think? Like, is this feeling good? Because again, if one of you isn't happy, then you need to be honest and change something. So a trial run is a great way to see if a budget is, it makes sense for your relationship. And most people come to the table with their own kind of different goals for saving and spending and like what their money values are. But 
do you find that there are some solid universal money goals and even like boundaries that you would recommend all couples set together, whether that's like their emergency fund or like a rule of thumb for retirement contributions? What would you recommend people start with? Yeah, I think like, again, it comes back to that emotional side of money. So like, what are some money fears that you have that help set boundaries for sure? Like eliminating anything that causes one person shame. Cause a lot of us, like if you have student loans and you come into the relationship, you may feel inadequate, which just is not something you want hanging over your head. So if you actually talk about those things, it kind of makes it more comfortable to have those difficult conversations too. Like if you can provide an open and safe place for people to talk about their money and that's not easy in a relationship because it impacts both of you. But I think it's super important regardless to, if you want to have a balanced relationship, right? Another thing you can do is just like those long-term goals that you set together are so fun. I think like people disregard them when it comes to money, but it's like, those are the best ways to decide like what you actually want in life with your partner. Like, I think you already mentioned those, a couple of those questions, Jillian. It's like, what does your life look like five to 10 years from now? Where are we living? Uh, Do we have any pets? Do we have a kid? It's really interesting to see if you're on the same page. And then one thing that I always say, (laughs) since you said rules, is the emergency fund as a team like that you have together for your expenses if you like live together. I think that's super, super important. But above that, you need to have your own individual emergency funds to protect yourself in a relationship. Like I think a lot of people don't think that's necessary. And that is my one thing I will push and advocate everyone has is an emergency fund for themselves outside of their relationship. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. Especially after this pandemic we just lived through, you never know what's going to happen. Yes. And I've had a lot of friends that have had relationships end abruptly and they have nothing Mm. to take with them or nothing to kind of protect themselves if it was unexpected. And so that is the best thing you can do for both of you to feel secure in your relationship. I think that's that's so important. Thank you for saying that. So you kind of touched on like what people, financial considerations people should prioritize in their relationship or when they're getting married. But I'm going to bring up the P word. What is your take on approaching prenups in a marriage? P word. I'm like, what is that? You're like, penis? What? Where is she going with this? Yeah, exactly. we're going R-rated now. No, sorry. I shouldn't have said it that way. Prenup, yeah. not penis. <laughs> Yeah. So obviously prenups are amazing. Anything you can do to protect yourself in a relationship is essential. I actually don't have one. So I'm not the best person to talk about like, should I get this? Should I not get this? Because when I just started learning about finances, when we got married, so we were already there, we had already made that transition. But I think that if we had talked about it now, or if we wanted to put something in place now, we would be on the exact same page about it because we've talked about money so often. But I think like it's basically an emergency plan for yourself and your partner and anything that can protect you mutually is important. Like we just talked about that emergency fund. So Mm -hmm. you never know where you're going to be 10 to 15 years from now. um, One of you could be a millionaire and suddenly something goes awry in your relationship, right? So like if you have all of your bases covered, it's just so much more relaxing, right? Yeah. And it's, you kind of have to take the emotions out of it. It's, it's a safety. It's a protection thing for you. It's not that they don't love you or they don't care about you. It's like, okay, you just, you never know what's going to happen. So yeah. 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 No one goes into a marriage thinking that it's going to end yet. You know, lots of marriages there, there's lots of hiccups. So it's just best. I a hundred percent agree that 
you got to hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And it's not an insult and it's not. uh, Yeah, it's like a compliment. I think we're going to end up being millionaires. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Another question that I have that I always wonder about because I um, bought a home a few years ago and I live alone and I always wonder what will happen if someone moves in with me and how would we craft that arrangement would they contribute to just monthly payments and mortgage fees would there just be like a set rent which feels I don't know kind of weird to me but maybe that's normal or you know I guess some people just move in live with them and just share like groceries and stuff like that and then if I were to sell and someone's been contributing to those payments how would that work do you have any insight into this yeah so I think when it comes to moving in with someone who already owns Again, it's this, it's the same kind of situation as moving in anywhere. You have to have a conversation about the budget and how mm-hmm. you're going to split your expenses. And the mortgage is one of those expenses. So no matter what you decide yeah. personally, you're comfortable with, you still have to have the conversation and make a choice. Obviously, if you've been living with someone, uh, it's different in every province, but a year here in Alberta anyways, you're common law. So that means you share everything. Sure right? It doesn't matter if you're married. It's still a contractual kind of agreement without the contract. So you have to remember those kind of things. And it's okay to talk about that stuff too, when you're talking about like your expenses when you move in. But for the most part, it's just, it's again, it's whatever you're comfortable with, but you have to talk about it, but your name's on the mortgage as well. So it's, it's your house. (laughs) That's probably something realistically to like discuss with a lawyer if it ever gets to that point or just with like a trusted advisor. And what do you guys use for joint budgeting? Like, can you walk us through the nitty gritty of whether you use any apps or software or spreadsheets? Like, how do you create that framework? Mm -hmm. So I'm really old school with my uh, finances and I love to write everything down. So for me, it's like an app just doesn't do it. Uh, It doesn't hit home the same way as, as writing it down. So I've kind of mitigated over to a spreadsheet now. That's the most tech savvy I'll be with my own budgeting. So we have a spreadsheet that we made together and it has our individual spending and our combined goals and our combined spending. And we update it every single month. And it also tracks our spending on an annual basis so that when we do that yearly meeting, we already know exactly what we spent the year before. We can talk about whether we need to change things or adjust things and also what goals we should save for for the upcoming year in smaller funds, like sinking funds we like to do. So for instance, I already have a sinking fund for my Christmas goal. So like every single week I put $20 into an account and by Christmas time, I'll have enough money saved for spending on gifts or travel or whatever. Is that, that's what a seeking fund is? Yeah. It's just saving for something that's coming up down the line. Um, but it's just a small amount of money put aside every single week or month. And then I'm also super, super big into journaling about money. I've talked about the emotional side of it like a hundred times now. So that's what I do to track my habits and my emotions. Because when I first started my money journey, which is something I'm just really realizing now is that the emotional side of money was not at the forefront of my mind. So now I'm really, really aware about my relationship with money. And I like to track, like some months I'll randomly track my non-essential spending just to see like, am I spending a lot because I'm having a rough time or am I spending less because I'm doing really well and I'm distracted and busy. So I just like to know where my head is at when it comes to money. So a simple spreadsheet and a journal. Those are the two things I use. Interesting. I've never done that. I would, yeah, I'm curious. I feel like I probably do spend more when I'm like feeling down 
versus when I'm like super happy and I'm busy and I'm doing a lot of things like that's a interesting thing to do I'm gonna try that yeah for sure and I actually have free spending trackers on my site so if you want to download them oh amazing we'll link those in the show notes for sure and anyone listening I would totally check out on the mixed up money blog um, the article that you wrote about how like the cost of loneliness and that hit really really hard because I know when I'm when there's a void or when there's just something missing in your life, it can be really easy to just fill that with things and stuff and to treat yourself every day to things that <laughs> might not actually, sometimes it's worth it. Like sometimes wellness yeah. does cost money and that's okay. But other times you are just filling a void without really thinking about it and thinking of if it's benefiting you. And so that was a really good article and a good thing to think about. So journaling is an awesome, awesome idea. Love that. We'll link that too. And then our last question that we always like to ask our guests is what's one thing you wish you had been taught in school? I mean, it's easy when we're talking about money for me to say, you know, (laughs) anything related to money. Yeah. But actually, aside from that, like if we're getting more specific into what it would be, I I wish it was investing. I wish that I knew that even existed Um, Mm -hmm. because we did like kind of the basic personal finance stuff, but none of it really hits home when you're in high school, because if I had known what like a hundred dollars a month could have done when I was 18 years old, yeah. oh my gosh, my life would be so drastically different right now. Right. Like I would not be worrying about how much I was yeah. saving for retirement every single month because I would already be set up for success. So tell everyone where they can find you and follow along with your amazing advice. For sure. So you can read any of my articles or blog posts at mixedupmoney.com. And I also have yeah, some free items in my shop if you ever need like a quick spending tracker or whatever else you want to find. And then I hang out mostly on Instagram at Mixed Up Money, but I'm on every other social media platform at Mixed Up Money as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for this chat. I am so excited. I feel like I'm going to like sit my husband down tonight and be like, let's budget and let's make it sexy. It's going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) I talk so much about the annual planning that we do and it's a free template that we download every year as well. It's called the year ahead, I think. And it's amazing. Like it's so much fun. So if you're looking for something fun to do with your partner, then I highly recommend that if you guys want to link that in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Is this on your site? Oh, totally. No, well. this is completely separate. It's just something I love. Like it's a great tool. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. No problem. Thank you so, so much for this chat. I feel way, way more prepared for whatever comes next for me. Me too. We hope this episode inspires you to have those important money chats with your partner. Let us know what tips you have for managing money in your relationship. We would love to hear them. I got a lot to learn. So hit us up. And we'll leave you with a quote from an anonymous person. We just really liked it. So holler if this is your quote. The main thing to remember is that most matters concerning money in a relationship are not really about money at all. Very wise. That's what they said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.